Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Nicole and Will Buckman from Corkscrew Barbecue coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. Thank you for having me today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Uchi owner High Hospitality has confirmed all those rumors about a second location of Loro are true. It is coming to a current auto paint and body shop on Kirby Drive near Rice Village. Mary, we know Loro is the Asian smokehouse concept from Uchi chef Tyson Cole and Franklin Barbecue founder, owner Aaron Franklin. Had Aaron on the show a few weeks ago. When I asked him about these rumors, he he declined to break any news by revealing the location on Kirby Drive, which I was not surprised about. But he did say that there would be more Karage coming to Houston, and indeed there will be. So let me just ask you, start maybe with your your thoughts on Loro and its arrival in Houston. Have you been? Have you eaten? What do you think? I'm surprised how quickly they're announcing a second location, honestly. Uh, I'm not surprised that the one in the Heights is a hit. I was there last week with a a close uh, girlfriend of mine, and she and I remarked how nice it was to be able to hop in on a weekday for lunch and it not be too crowded. And the bartender that was taking care of us at the counter said that the wait goes from anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours on the weekends. So with that little tidbit of news... Maybe I'm less surprised that they're announcing a second location so quickly. Right. I think it seemed pretty much inevitable almost from the beginning, or rather as soon as the Dallas location opened and they announced a second Dallas area location, it seemed very likely that if if Dallas merits at least two Loros, then Houston certainly merits at least two Loros. And and you're right. I, I have a friend who went there with his family on a Saturday night, they got quoted a wait of over an hour. And my buddy was sort of skeptical, but his wife was like, we're here, let's do it. Uh, And they had a great time. You know, the kids got to run around a little bit on that, that kind of patio waiting area. You know, they had a couple of those frozen slushies while they waited for a table. It, It somehow it all works out. So even though I'm, I'm sort of skeptical about waiting that, that kind of time to eat anywhere in Houston, uh, because we have so many great choices, but uh, they didn't thought it was worth it. And apparently there's lots of people coming from all parts of Houston to the Heights that think it's worth it too. And, and so I, I don't think opening a second one in Rice Village, I think that's far enough away. I, I don't think they're going to compete with each other, at least not directly. Yeah, I don't think they'll draw from, I think they'll, you know, exist relatively independently of each other. I think the Heights one's very family friendly and people don't mind the weight because I kind of think of like Salt Lake Barbecue uh, in the hill country outside of Austin. It's like people, you know, drink while they're waiting for their tables and kids get to run around freely. So I think I think that makes the wait uh, more, you know, more something a family is willing to deal with uh, than maybe you or I would. Yeah, I, I well, I think the Rice Village, Laura, will, will still have that family friendly component. Obviously, there's a lot of you know, families in all of those neighborhoods around, you know, everything from sort of West U to Bel Air, you know, Meyerland, even, 
you know, in the upper Kirby, West Taft and Oaks. I mean, you know, all of that is kind of in, uh, in the radius for this, but being so close to the medical center and being, you know, not, not directly on the way home from downtown, but not, not on the way home from downtown. You know, I think a, a lively young professional happy hour crowd is definitely in the, in the mix for them too. Yeah. I think getting that kind of Bryce university crowd too, is very smart from them. There's been a lot of changes sort of that have taken place in rice village and, and are coming to rice village. I mean, I think about new additions like gratify Lee's den van Leeuwen ice cream. You've got Hamsa, obviously, that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And then more coming, right? Navy Blue, the new seafood restaurant from the Blue Dorn folks. And, and so you sort of take all that together. And it, it does feel like there's sort of a, a changing of the garden in Rice Village, near Rice Village. And, and I'd say that Loro is, is just part of that kind of larger movement. Absolutely. I'm excited kind of that the village has gotten so many top quality restaurants and wine and bar concepts there was a long time there where nothing really changed in that neighborhood of of much note so it's nice to see this new influx i think they will fit right in in their new location off kirby absolutely all right let's move on to topic number two big news from bobby hugel he has opened refuge uh, a new bar next to anvil in what had been the second floor of the Tunkut Sparrow space. So this means that at least for now, Tunkut Sparrow is on hiatus so that the team that was operating it can really focus on refuge. Mary, I know that you're, you're friends with Bobby. You're an Anvil regular. Have you been to refuge and, and what did you, what do you think of it? I have been to refuge and I don't want to be too, too excited, but I think it's probably, in my opinion, my favorite and possibly Bobby's best bar concept yet. I, I am a Anvil loyalist for sure, but there's something about the vibe of Refuge and the intimacy of the space that feels really good, really refreshing. I feel like I'm in Houston, but I also feel like I could be in a lot of other cities around the world. So it's nice to go to a space where you feel transported. And uh, I was there with four people this past week and every single one of us ordered different drinks and there was every single one of them was incredible, was a winner. There were no misses. I think a lot of thought went into uh, the cocktails that made the final cut for this list. All right. So I want to I want to dive a little bit more deeply into that. Yeah. When, you know, in the in the press release and when I talked to Bobby, you know, one of the things he said is he. He's confident that this will be his best bar yet and the best bar of everyone uh, on the team. And, you know, you think about all the great bars that he's participated in opening. Obviously, Anvil's the headliner, but, you know, Pastry War, he, he was one of all of his partners uh, when Julep opened. You know, Tunkut Sparrow has been such a nice, a nice environment for people. Hay Merchant, on and on. What is it specifically about the environment that you found so appealing? Uh, it's divided into two spaces. So you've kind of got the, when you first come up the stairs, you're opened into the bar area with a couple of high top tables. But that kind of vignette is an oval, uh, kind of a rounded edge 
rectangle, you know, oval ends mirror. So you can see into the other side of the space as well. And it feels very open, even though it's a small space. And then the other side of the space where I was seated had, um, you know, bigger tables for, let's call it four, five, six people um, in each booth. And they were all in a row. So you could see everybody in the other booths, which I liked. And then they had this gorgeous La Floridita sign uh, that Bobby found, I believe, um, that had originally come from a hotel in London. But he loves all things Hemingway and Daiquiri. And he's been holding on, uh, waiting to use the sign. And the glow of that neon is really nice. I know he's still putting some final touches in there. I think he said he was going to do some uh, mirrors where the banquets are. And I think that'll help open it up. But it's really dark, uh, the lighting is. And so you do feel like you're transformed in it into a totally different space. There's no windows like Anvil or uh, any of his other concepts. So definitely cavernous. Right. I saw the I saw the post on I think on the refuge Instagram or maybe on Bobby's Instagram. It talked about, yeah, it's a second floor space that's dimly lit and and it doesn't have a marked entrance. So all of a sudden the Marfrela's comparisons just come rolling through and they're like yeah we don't we don't mind that comparison we love that bar too but you can't have sex in our bar that's that's a big no-no that's 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 the way things go at marfrela's uh it is not the way things go at refuge so i just i throw that out there for people I, my, my attitude is as long as i can sort of sit with my back to the crowd and maybe canoodle like i you know i'm not i'm not saying any not you know hands hands where we can see them you know kind of a situation but if, but if I can, check. but if I can if I can cuddle a little bit with a special someone that's all fine and so let me just let me just pivot this conversation slightly because you know since tongue cut sparrow opened there have been more of these kind of upscale loungy cocktail bars you know I think about the lounge at March which you and I've been to a couple of times I think about the bar at La Column Door that you and I have been to. Uh, I think about Bandista, the new kind of speakeasy-inspired concept that's going on with the Four Seasons these days. Where do you see kind of Refuge fitting in with those? Do you, do you think that's a fair comparison? Uh, I mean, I think it's okay to put them in the likes and in the company of all of those others, uh, as objective as I can be. And I really like Le Colombe d'Or's bar. I, I would say that's a favorite bar of mine in Montrose. I think Patrick does such an amazing job behind the bar there and uh, feels so elegant. And I think that's a good date spot, a good take somebody for a business meeting and impress them kind of spot as well. But I think this stands above all the rest. I, I think the thing I liked most about Tongue Cut was that you could have the level of service that you were getting and still be able to dip into Anvil afterwards if you want to, because they closed at midnight and this bar also won't be open until 2 a.m. I think it's open until one if, if I'm if memory serves me right That's on that. Yes. And I don't know. I just, you know, you and I are similar ages as I get older. I'm in my last year of my thirties here. <laughs> it's nice to be able to. Hey, hey, months, plural. Uh, but anyway, I think it's nice to have an intimate environment where you can still have great cocktails and hear each other and maybe not wait in a line. Like I love Anvil, but you're probably not going to catch me at Anvil Friday, Saturday night between eight and midnight. I just, 
I'm not going to fight those crowds. And so this is a, a nice alternative. And I think it stands above the, the others, the, the cocktails and the level of service speak for itself. All right. I think that's a good place to move on to topic number three, Hondo, the hand roll restaurant on 11th street in the Heights announced that they are opening a second location in spring branch village. That is the shopping center that is already home to Fiji's barbecue slow pokes and shoot the moon. It will in the coming months be home to the blind goat, the uh, Vietnamese uh, pub gastro pub concept from Christine Ha. So a good, a good location, a, a very promising kind of culinary oriented location. Uh, Mary, I, I don't know. Have you been to Hondo at all? Do you, do you have an opinion yes. on, on what they do? I like Hondo. I like, you know, there's a couple of different concepts that have sprouted up in the past couple of years that do similar things to this. I like this style of concept. I like how casual it is. Uh, I like that, you know, you kind of get to interact with the staff there and the food is super fresh and made right before you. So I, I like what they do. I do too. And I have to say, even more than as a dine-in experience for me over the past couple of years, I've used it quite a bit for to-go because they, instead of hand rolls, they do cut rolls and they travel really well. And they're consistently, I think the quality of their ingredients is good. I think they're, they're flavorful. I think three, a three piece cut roll order is, is 19 bucks, which is pretty reasonable. If I'm hungry, I can add a fourth roll or, a, you know, some sort of salad situation or whatever. And, and, you know, but when you dine in, they've got this great cocktail menu. It's a, it's a, it's a very kind of casual environment. Like you said, it's, it's intimate. You get that one-on-one interaction with the sushi chefs as they're preparing your hand rolls. I, I think it's, I think it's solid. And I think it's going to be a really nice addition to Spring Branch. Yeah. Spring Branch certainly doesn't have an option like this right now. So I like when concepts like this are successful and expand outwardly. I think a lot of these other neighborhoods are underserviced in terms of selections like this. Yeah, I think Spring Branch is kind of becoming the new, you know, you can't, like, if you're already in the Heights, you're already in Montrose, you know, you got to kind of figure out, like, where to go. And there's a few kind of neighborhoods that are, that are the next, the next step for people. It's sort of Garden Oaks, Spring Branch, and then maybe Bel Air, like Bel Air, Bel Air, like the people I know that live in Bel Air would love to be that next option for people that are, that are looking for a second location or then there's the Tanglewood Briar Grove area, uh, depending on the rents, that would be another place that, that I think would be really welcome to something like this. But anyway, nice to see more new concepts coming to Spring Branch because uh, they're definitely excited about them. Absolutely. I agree with you. All right. I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. This podcast is brought to you by Green Street. Join Green Street's 10th anniversary event featuring an artisan market on Saturday, May 21st from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. It starts at 10 a.m. with yoga on the outdoor lawn by Lifetime Fitness with a live DJ. At 11 a.m., shop the vendor market with 50-plus vendors, artisans, and makers curated by BLCK Market and the Brunch Market on the second and third floors. And at 3 p.m., it's Astro's Happy Hour. Watch the Astros take on the Rangers that evening at Green Street's on-site restaurants and bars, 
or you can snag a free 30-minute B-cycle and ride to Minute Maid Park to take in the game in person. The event is free to attend and paid parking is available at the Green Street Garage, which is located at 1320 Fannin Street. For more information, go to greenstreetdowntown.com slash calendar. That's greenstreetdowntown.com slash calendar. Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I want to start with Hamsa. This is the new modern Israeli restaurant from the owners of Doris Metropolitan. It is located next to Badolina Bakery on Morningside Drive. You and I went to Hamsa. We, uh, at their invitation for uh, our friends and family, we sampled a lot of the menu. They have all these starts with these kind of small vegetable plates. They have three different kinds of hummus. There's a whole bunch of skewers and then some larger entree choices. What stood out to you from our meal at Hamsa? My gosh, we had between the four of us, I I know we didn't sample even half the menu, but it certainly felt like we did. I love the style of service for um, the smaller plates. I mean, everything excluding entrees, you really get to have so many different flavors. The hummus was incredible. The falafel blew me away. I don't think I've ever had falafel that good. Uh, I also thought that the skewers, uh, we had a lamb skewer. I thought that was fantastic. And I mean, for to start without getting into the entree that we had and everything else, those were probably my three favorites, but we literally had dozens of small bites at the table, which was so nice. Yeah, it's a really fun way to eat, I think. And, and it's not a way that we necessarily get to eat, uh, you know, very often anymore. But, but I agree with you. I thought the hummus was just had an incredible texture and flavor. That falafel is some of the best I've had. Uh, I'm looking at pictures of those small plates, trying to remember kind of what stood out, but, but certainly the baba ganoush, certainly the labna, um, you know, the harissa carrots were great. You know, there was a lot, a lot to recommend. That shrimp skewer was really nicely cooked. Um, and then, you know, we have the lamb ribs as kind of our entree and, and then all four desserts. Uh, and, and I liked what I liked about the desserts is we had four people at the table and I think three favorite desserts it just depended. Like, are you a chocolate person? Then you like the chocolate thing. Are you, uh, did you want something a little lighter? There was a, you know, there was like a, not a tiramisu exactly, but kind of a, a coffee dusted, uh, cake situation. And then, you know, there was a, there was more like a, a halva, like a, an almondy kind of uh, dessert. So, you know, a lot, a lot to like. Yeah. The desserts were such a treat. We were originally only going to get one and they sent out um, all four of them, but they, each one of the desserts definitely was a signature of different flavors. I personally am a chocolate person. So that was my favorite, but it had uh, some great texture and richness to it that you don't see in a lot. It wasn't just an obvious chocolate dessert. And, what I liked here is they really executed in every category. I feel like a lot of times restaurants miss in a category. Like you might have a great meal all the way through entree. And then by the time you get to desserts, it's a total miss. Uh, I was delightfully surprised by their wine list. Uh, we ordered a bottle of Barush champagne and Barush is one of my favorite producers. And it was at a reasonable uh, rate. It wasn't, you know, steakhouse four times markup. So I thought I was very pleasantly surprised with the wine list and, you know, them charging a reasonable and fair price 
or what we see right now in a lot of places are charging crazy amounts for wine. So that was nice. Right. And we, and we had cocktails too. They've got a great cocktail program. I think one of the things I really like about this restaurant is that it's going to be open for lunch and dinner. And so, you know, very flexible in, in that sense, uh, very welcoming. And, you know, I loved one fifth Mediterranean and, and in the menu, at least the menu presentation is very similar to the way Chris Shepard put that menu together. Uh, the execution obviously is different. The flavors are a little different. Uh, and it's worth sort of keeping in mind, like this is, I mean, the, the three owners are Israeli. I mean, this is, this is their food and, and they're doing it really well. And I've been waiting a long time for this style of restaurant, you know, similar to Shia, similar to Shia in New Orleans, similar to Zahab in Philadelphia to kind of make its, to make its way to Houston. And there really isn't a better uh, local restaurant group to do that than Sof Hospitality, which is the company that owns Norse Metropolitan and Badalina. So yeah, this is, this is a restaurant I've been waiting for. Uh, I was excited to try it. I thought we had a great meal. I can't wait to go back. The decor inside, just very quickly, very warm, very light. Uh, the dining room side felt very, very sophisticated and almost a New York vibe. If I, like, if I had to pick a kind of influence, just nice neutral woods, really great lighting. And then the bar felt very Mediterranean. It was a lot of whites and blues and really beautiful bars. So there was definitely two kind of vignettes and it felt different in each one of them, but they felt tied together. So well done on the interiors. All right. Absolutely. And then I just want to talk to you about Cafe Louis. I, I have a feeling Cafe Louis is going to be the new spot where I wind up going with all of the co-hosts at, at one point or another uh, because it's open for breakfast, lunch, uh, dinner hours to come. But, but, you know, there's so much on the menu and it's so, it's pretty, it's comfortable, it's creative. You know, I had Angelo Emiliani on recently to talk about Cafe Louis. He's working on it with his sister, Luciana, AKA Louis. That's the restaurant's namesake. It's in the East End, right next to How to Survive on Land and Sea. And, and all of a sudden, I just feel like everyone in the service industry that I follow on Instagram is going to Cafe Louis, like to try a croissant or the the cafe louis uh their version of a mcmuffin the, the sandwich with the the sausage and the egg uh and the cheese and and all of the other things that they're doing so so let me just i i know you've been excited about this place for a long time so so let me just let you share some first impressions and we'll and we'll put a pin in this because i know we're going to talk about it quite a bit yes oh my gosh it's probably my most eagerly anticipated restaurant of recent memory. And so far it's definitely uh, meeting my expectations. The pastries are top, top notch. I would argue right now, probably the best in the city. I can't think of someone's pastries. I like more than hers. A little bit about her background. She worked at Tartine. So uh, if you've ever been to California and been to Tartine Bakery in San Francisco, I mean, it's incredible. I think the space is gorgeous. I've only had breakfast there so far, so I can't comment about lunch or dinner, but the breakfast I had, I mean, the slow cooked scrambled eggs, the care in that, uh, the bread that was done with that dish, uh, the crispy bacon altogether. I mean, never really been an egg McMuffin kind of person, but whatever this breakfast dish is, is top of my list of all time. I mean, incredible. 
so I can't, you will see me here often. I cannot wait to come back for lunch and dinner. Well, and you know, I was talking to Angela, they're doing a, a cured redfish on a bagel with cream cheese and it's a farm raised Texas redfish. And that, that's just kind of who he is, right? He's always going to find a great local producer. He's not going to serve salmon because there's not salmon in the Gulf of Mexico or, or swimming in Texas rivers. So that's what you get. You get Texas redfish sustainably farmed and, but prepared in a way that makes it like whitefish salad, like the classic Jewish deli um, appetizing dish. So, you know, and, and I think the menu is full of smart little touches like that. Um, I haven't had a chance to try the kolaches yet or, or some of the other pastries that they're doing, but I have had the croissants. They are uh, really excellent. Uh, the coffee cake was good. The cinnamon roll was good. Um, just a lot to like about this, a lot to like about Cafe Louis and someplace I, I, I'm with you. I think I'm going to be there uh, quite a bit. Yeah. And lastly, just for this neighborhood, for the Easton, for this particular part of this Easton, and this is the first restaurant of any kind of close to this caliber. So I think in my, in my gut, gut instinct, this is the beginning of a lot of amazing changes for this part of town. Uh, and I'm excited for their future. And I hope they're there for a very, very long time. Well, I, I, I don't want to push that too far. Cause I mean, it's not like Penny champions and Nancy Sussel are far away. No, they're not. They're much closer in. That's kind of what I'm saying for Harrisburg and kind of this farther out at street to kitchen and them. And I just hope that there's more restaurants. I don't kind of, in my mind, I don't put Nancy's and tiny champions. Like for me, it's they're they're more central than this is. This is, you got to really try to go to cafe Louie. And I think that's my biggest point is it's worth the drive. It's worth the extra five minutes from those other locations. I mean, it's the food is just not good. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think, I think you would be surprised by how close they are. Like if I, you know, put a, pulled a, put a map in front of you and showed you how, how relatively close they are together. Uh, but, but I, I do agree with you that, that this is part of a series of changes uh, in the East end. And, and certainly it looks like, you know, whatever happened at night shift, it doesn't look like that's coming back. And, and that's, you know, another venue that, that will turn into something uh, and get snapped up and, and become something great. And this is a neighborhood that, that's changing really fast. And, you know, more thoughtful, creative, well-executed, relatively affordable concepts, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. East End is where I thought for sure. All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And I will be right back with Will and Nicole Buck. joined this week by the owners of Corkscrew Barbecue in Spring, Texas. Let me introduce you all separately so people can hear your voices. Nicole Buckman, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having us. It's very exciting. We're glad to be back in person. Will Buckman, good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thanks for having us. Yes, Nicole is correct. This is the first time we're recording in studio <laughs> with the guests since March of 2020. So this is, a little, this is fun for me to be in the same room with y'all. Same for I'm us. excited. Two That's years. Happy. That's incredible. I looked it up. You guys were episode five. Oh, wow. May of 2017. So it's been five years wow. 
and 236 episodes. I don't believe you. Wow. Five years ago. 2017. That's crazy. So to ask you, catch me up on the last five years of Corkscrew Barbecue <laughs> would be transparently <laughs> yeah, stupid. That's uh, a lot. But, but, but let me just ask you kind of what is the state of Corkscrew Barbecue now? Because you were... You weren't exactly new in the spring space in 2017. You, you've right. been there for a couple of years already, but you know, I still kind of, I still kind of remember like driving up to the trailer, yeah. you know, off the highway, young upstart couple, like kind of making their way in the world of barbecue. I, I mean, you guys are the grownups now. Like, I know it's weird. I don't want to be the grownups. So, so let me just so like so how is how is your business like like what's it been like? Currently, like, how do you sort of feel about how things are going? I, I think everything's going great. I mean, we really don't have any complaints. No, there's nothing to complain about for sure. We've uh, it, it's been so rock steady uh, from five years ago to now. I, I mean, there's absolutely nothing to complain about. We're still very blessed. Business is fantastic. Um, still have some of the same employees. I think that says something. Um, yeah, no complaints here. No, I think that says a lot. I mean, this is a time when people do have trouble hiring. They they do have trouble retaining staff. Everybody's looking for a new opportunity. Why why do you think you've been able to maintain people, you know, through the pandemic and through all the other challenges the restaurants are going through right now? Um, I think a big reason that we maintain the people we've had for so long cuz we've have most of everybody from when we started um going on what seven years now almost at the at the um old town spring location is i think we're there i mean i'm not saying it's not okay that you know other people aren't there i think they just we all kind of have a bond and it's like a friendship slash business you know we all kind of just work together and have a good time together and um they work. I mean, they work their hardest and they enjoy what they do. And we respect them. We pay them for it, you know, accordingly. And, uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. (laughs) Well, let me, you, you did mention something that I I was going to bring up, which is that, you know, we, we do see even at some of the top barbecue joints that the pit master, the person whose name it is on the, on the building or who, who's the, you know, the official named, person running the kitchen travels right they go to festivals they they do they go to events they they do stuff you know on the weekends or whatever i mean basically if if you're not there there's corkscrew's not open that day right that's correct yeah so what why is that so important to you and and maybe why haven't you changed that even when your staff is so stable um i don't know i think it's just our way i mean i don't it's not for everybody but i think it's just we like being there. We we're, love- we're actively involved in the management of the restaurant. We actually like doing it, you know, so it's just, it's just something that we've adopted as our jobs. And, and uh, at the moment, we're not willing to let that go yet. I want to travel. We've too, really tried. I'm serious. We tried to separate ourselves from it and, and, and take a step back. And, and we're still making uh, improvements in that area. And we want to travel. We want to go to festivals and, and do more on the weekends yeah. as well. But I, I just don't think we're ready for that. We we like what we do. We enjoy seeing our customers and and uh, being in the trenches with our with our our team is. It's exciting. really huge to us. Every every time they're like, "No, we're good. We got the kitchen." Will and I kind of 
you know, I have a lot of stuff to do and he has a lot of stuff to do, but we're kind of like, we look at each other and we're like, but why, they, they should need us. I'm, in supposed, there. To be doing I'm that. supposed to be doing that. <laughs> you know, that's our, that was our job for, you know, 11 years. So, um, taking that step back and knowing that they can do it when they ask for your help in the kitchen, you're like, you run, you're like, yes, I'm in. And, um, but yeah, we want to do a lot of stuff, but a lot of stuff does require your whole weekend. And, um, we're just kind of not ready to give up the whole weekend because our kids are 15 and 16 and we only have those few more years. So, you know, maybe we've talked about maybe whenever they're like grown college, whatever they decide to do, we might start doing more of that stuff. But for right now, our Sundays or Mondays are just, they're our, our family days mm-hmm. for sure. I'm I'm impressed that you have a 15 and a 16 year old that want to hang out with you. <laughs> Instead of being like, uh, no, actually, could you guys go to the festival in New York, please? I know. Can you give us a break for the yeah. weekend. No, yeah, no. We all we all love to to be together. I mean, don't get me wrong; they have their days where they're like, yeah, y'all can go to lunch. Just bring us something back. But um, we want to be there if they want to hang out with us. I guess is kind of what it is. You know, we want them to know that we're always there. That that we treasure those days with them. Well, and Will, I mean, you know, I, I ask this kind of selfishly, not not because I want you to spend less time with your family, but because, <laughs> you know, I saw you guys, you did a collaboration dinner with Austin Simmons of Tris, and we're eating, you know, the, the smoked sturgeon and and some of the other dishes you guys did, the, the beef tongue pastrami. And, you know, I'm sitting next to Chris Reed from the Chronicle, and, and he's like, this could be a restaurant. And, and I agree with him. I mean, I, I, you know, like there's the, you know, it feels like there's an elevated smoke infused, you know, Austin Simmonsy kind of globally inspired yeah. meaty, like, you know, idea that like, you know, it, it's not, it's not Loro necessarily. Right. But it, but it does kind of remind me of that where it's like a really great pitmaster collaborates with a really great chef and they produce something together that's kind of unexpected and delightful and so you know i'm not I, you know i'm not telling you how to live your life or nothing but like <laughs> but like please figure out a way to like open another restaurant because yeah. i think it'd be awesome you know that's definitely something that's on the table it's uh you know him and i uh, uh have become really good friends over the years uh and it's it's definitely something we've talked about and and when the time is right uh you might just see something like that come about I'm not involved though. Yeah, she she wants no involvement in any. Of I have the, made uh, this very clear. Restaurant activities, but I will sit at the front table and eat yeah. like I do at the collaborations. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you give them the cobbler recipe, I, that's all I want from you. I will do that 100. percent I have no issues with that. But I, right, I mean, but I, you know, I I respect that you're kind of focused on your family. But but what do you sort of think about for the future? Because I I do think that that's. Uh, I, I mean, it's got to be on, I mean, 10 years into this business or, or even a little more, like it's got to be, it's got to be on your mind a little bit. Always. It's always on our minds. We're always, you know, contemplating and thinking of things that we can do to grow, stay relevant. Uh, also, um, Corkscrew's been really good to us, though. You know, we've kind of just ridden this wave out for a little while. Like she said, we were raising a family and, and uh, the future, I think, is very bright. Uh, never know really how it can change, but, uh, you know, we, we look forward to the possibilities that can come. I think our main focus still is, is on the food. Mm, yeah, it is. It's, it's hard for us to walk away because he is still head pit master 
and you know he's been training guys for years um he's not ready to walk away from that and i'm not ready to walk away from gm and the restaurant and making sure everything's done perfect um so i think whenever we're ready to we're just like i think it just comes that day i don't think we know when i think it's just going to come to that day where we're like hey we're ready to do something else we're ready to step back we're ready to see something else happen we've talked about stuff like you said we've been dabbling in real estate and buying a few things here and there well yeah and i i mean it's a funny sort of thing because you know relevant is such a weird it's like relevance is such a weird concept at restaurants because like there are great businesses that are not relevant from a media perspective like taste of texas like makes a gazillion dollars every year and has nothing to do with with the media in in really any way i i mean i'm i'm sure they're they're lovely people and i i I say that i've met them they're lovely people and i respect their business but there's no reason to write about it ever and so you know like like we went to corkscrew like me and a group of my friends went to corkscrew shortly before the texas monthly list came out in 2021 i feel like it's as good as it's ever been we did the barbecue draft last week on this show with five of us i think yours is the only restaurant that had one item on every team that we drafted so from those perspectives i think you know still relevant but you slipped a little bit in the texas monthly rank you dropped out of the top 10 mm-hmm. do you care not not like i think people would think that we would it 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 hurts your ego a little bit you know not 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 to lie, uh, you know, for me, it did, you know, it's like, what did I do? What did I do wrong? You know, but it, when, when you look at the big picture and, and barbecue as a whole and all the great places and great talent that the state holds, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to, we're very fortunate to be considered on the list. I mean, the top 50 out of the state is massive as Texas. How many, God knows how many barbecue restaurants are in it. Um, it's still a good feeling. Nicole, I know you have something to say about this. <laughs> um well scared. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not afraid. I'm not. <laughs> I so my perspective of it is like he said, it's great. You know, it's great to be on a list. It's great for media to talk about you and all that stuff. But I've always looked at things as um we get a lot of word of mouth. We get a lot of messages of I heard about you from so and so. We get a lot of out of country People who call us, we get a lot out of state, a lot of, I mean, all over the place. And I really look at it as um, the people that come to our restaurant and the lines wrap around the building uh, says more to me than anything because it says we're doing our job and we're doing it correctly without having to do any kind of um advertising or anything and it's wonderful when you get written up don't get me wrong we love when when any type of media talks about you and stuff like that but but our restaurant's main focus is making everybody that comes in there and spends their hard-earned money on our food so yeah it's great to be in it um did i lose sleep I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who kind of roll their eyes and just say, well, they're saying that because they didn't make top 10. But, um, I mean, it's just honest feeling. I mean, no, we we didn't lose sleep over it. It was great to still be in the top 50. We've made it in the top 50 since we started. 
and um, are happy to continue to be in it and, and blessed to be able to, like he said, there's so many places all over the state. And, you know, I mean, well, it's so, a hard thing to answer. So, so I, you know, I think, right, it's not that you guys have gotten worse. And, and maybe I think even you've gotten a little better over the years. It may be that some restaurants are doing just a little bit more, like mm-hmm. more meats, more sides, more yep. whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think about expanding the menu? Or, I mean, like you said, you've got a line wrapped around the building. There's really no reason to, like, just, just, to, just to position yourself differently with the media, there's not really any reason to tweak what you're doing. Yeah, no, it, we, we always look at it, and we, and we never stop developing. Um, but menus can get out of hand, and, and, and we've seen it happen time after time, it, not just at barbecue restaurants, but menus can quickly get out of hand. If every time a barbecue restaurant comes up with a dish or adds something to their menu uh, and you followed suit and added the same thing, our menus would be eight pages long. So at some point in time, you have to say, all right, enough's enough. We're going we're gonna to stick to what we know, what we're excellent at. Let's focus on this and, and, uh, and focus on the experience. Uh, I wouldn't say that we haven't added anything, though. I mean, we did. We added the Triscuit, you know, collaborating with Tris on using his Caesar dressing Mm -hmm. and making a Caesar salad uh, brisket sandwich. And we brought in queso where we're making the um, chopped BB cheesies that we did back at the Woodlands Barbecue Fest. We brought that back. So, I mean, that's an add-on. So, I'm not – I wouldn't say that we're not – Adding things, I would say it's kind of like a Mexican restaurant where you just kind of rearrange the ingredients and, <laughs> <laughs> and make something, then add something a little to it. Um, and it just gives new ideas to people. Like they could probably create this themselves when they come stand in line, but it just makes it a little bit easier where they can be like, oh, wow, that looks great. Or doing the bowls, you know, where it's two different sizes, you add a meat to it and Everybody just loves that because it's all one complete meal. So I wouldn't say that we're not adding things. And and we don't have really have a whole lot of space to really make and add all these new dishes. Um, so I think we're pretty content and, and just yeah, making definitely. sure that our what we have is really good. So, all right, what's the... What's the thing that people don't order often enough on your menu? Like, obviously, they get the brisket. Obviously, they get the ribs. But, but what, like, what doesn't sell as much as you, you think it should, given how good it is? Probably the pulled pork. Yeah, the pulled pork. Always the I think people pork. are a little weary of pulled pork. They're always like, well, I mean, every time I've ever had it, it was A, B, or C. So then we will sample it, and they're like, oh, we'll get some of that pulled pork. Yeah, too sweet and mushy, I think, is typically my experience with yeah. with most pulled pork. How do you make your pulled pork? Go ahead. No. <laughs> so it's a, we try not to break it down too far. That's one of the that's one of the key things because it does get mushy. It's very it can, easy to for do. Sure. And and it gets pulled at the time of order um, to tr- to try to help avoid that. Uh, and then the sauce comes in that we make and it's a vinegar base. Uh, there is sugar in it, but it's got a, a heat behind it as well. Um, it's got a really good balance to it. You're not going to be overpowered with sugar. And most people say they get a little bit more of the heat than the um, sweet. So I think it's a good balance. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you every single morning she craves it. I have 
at least a forkful of pulled pork and a slice of brisket pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I have, I'm always say I'm the taste tester. I don't smoke the meat, so I'm technically a customer. So every day I have to go in and just make sure everything's, you know, mm-hmm. on point. No, I, I think that's an incredible compliment to it. If you're not sick of it after all these years, that, no way. that says a lot about it. No way. None of the, even none of our employees every day we, we're we're all like cutting meat and serving stuff and everything and everybody is deciding on what they're going to get for lunch <laughs> and their their food tabs are pretty high at payday and I'm like guys y'all got to like and these are they get you know their employee discount and everything and I'm like y'all spills are like. Uh, a mortgage payment. Like, <laughs> <laughs> y'all got to like really start bringing your lunches and then you'll see them for like the first week after payday, three or four days, they'll have lunches. And then the last three weeks, it's. Yeah. Sure. I mean, how are you going to, how are you going to brown bag PB and J when you could just have a brisket <laughs> yeah. sandwich? And they'll like, literally <laughs> give their food away. They're like, Hey, so my wife packed me a chicken salad. Who wants it? Cause I want to get a brisket sandwich. <laughs> I give them credit for the gamble too, because you never know what time we're going to sell out of food, or if we're even going to get a lunch break that day. So, so they're really gambling on the fact that of not bringing lunch that they're going to get something to eat. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes they are let down. Yeah, so they'll just have like a salad with no meat. They'll like pour the remaining grease on it. Uh, Nicole, uh, let me let me just ask you. I mean, at that at that Tristaner, you were. You're chatting it up with Daniel Vaughn from from Texas Monthly. What uh, you have you have anything anything you'd like to share in your uh, your conversation with the the actually, barbecue snob? Actually, it's pretty funny. Um, you know, we've sat down before and talked when he's come to the restaurant just randomly. You know, when he came with Packy, R.I.P. Um, but never really got to like talk, like you know, just regular people. And it was nice because I sat down for a second. Sorry, JC, I did not mean to steal your seat for the rest of the night. But they just kind of started moving food around. Um, and we actually talked about, like, his kids and our kids and traveling and um, our favorite shows. And he told me about one on Severance that just came out, which looks f- fantastic. And really, honestly, we really didn't. We talked for a few minutes about barbecue and we were both like, okay, let's not talk business. Like, <laughs> let's just really talk like, you know, right. normal we'll, we'll life. Put down, we'll put down our swords and, and yeah. you know, leave each other for another it day. Was really, it was really actually really nice. It's nice to have all of y'all there and not have to talk about all that stuff. It's nice to have everybody invited as just friends and not media and expect anything other than just hanging out like we did the first one when you and Felice came. And it was really nice to – it's nice to get to know everybody – um, on a personal level. All right. So, what are you binging these days? I'll I'll, I'll bite. I... Oh God, nobody wants to know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a reality show junkie, and no, not like The Bachelor and stuff. I mean, I'm I'm like Real Housewives and stuff. I know, I know. Don't roll your eyes. And but I am binging like Working Moms on Netflix and uh, love like Grace and Frankie. And those just go too fast because they put the entire season and you just binge it and it's over. So, Right. I don't suppose you're watching the current season of Top Chef. No, but I just started over Chopped all the way back to season one. And it is fun to start over <laughs> and see how it was. They had no idea, you know, what was really 
going on. So that was really cool. I did. I did like that. Well, let me let me bring you back into this. What what are what are you engaged with when you're not at the restaurant? Like, what are you what what are you excited about these days? I can answer that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have I try to have hobbies. Uh, I'm I'm big into cars. I like um, anything with a motor in it. I pretty much dig it. Uh, what else am I into? Mostly just mostly trucks and cars after yeah, work. Cars. If I mean him and his friend Tyler are literally back and forth. I said I worry sometimes about it. <laughs> um, they they do. They love trucks. They like uh, being able to buy them, flip them, do whatever. That's been their biggest thing. And uh, I support it 100% because it's not sitting in a bar. You know? <laughs> it's it's something that's him and my son, they, they love it too. And my daughter's boyfriend, he's the same way. So they can all sit and talk about that constantly so i think it's mostly like youtube videos on trucks and cars yeah, racing and, cars, yeah. and uh <laughs> yeah it. that's all right. Probably <laughs> all right so let me so let me ask you one other thing i i noticed uh you know i there's a there's a few barbecue joint owners who are very outspoken about their political beliefs i knew this was coming up that is that is not you absolutely not no why not? Um, There's no place for it. No, we don't. We just don't do business and politics. It's just that plain it's, and simple. Barbecue is built to bring people together. Yes. And when you interject politics into it, it's meant. It, it's these days it separates people. Yes. So uh, that's uh, we we have this uh, place that we go on the lake a lot, and there's uh, the neighbors around there are just fantastic, and that's another place. Where we just don't interject those things into it because we're all there for the same reasons. Yeah. To get away from that, to have a good time, and to enjoy each other's company. And we um, all pretty much have some p- different political views, but sure we do. And we're, we're friends. We're not spiteful about it, no, but you never not. know when that person at the party is going to show up and it's going to ruin the whole evening for everybody. Yeah. So when, when we have people at the restaurant, uh, that's not a topic that no. – that we want to be floating around. We want people to enjoy the food, enjoy each other's company and, and uh, have a memorable experience. I think there's a thousand different conversations you can have with people that um, don't have to involve uh, negativity. If you're on social media, that's in your life every single second of the day. When you go to work, when you, when you, you go to the ballpark, wherever you're at, it just seems like that's always the, the topic on everybody's mind. Uh, But not at corkscrew we really seriously just want everybody to be happy please i mean really (laughs) we just want everybody to get along and be happy and and not let um what somebody else's opinion to affect you and to um hurt you or to go and hurt other people intentionally because they don't believe what you believe in and and it, it just Go eat barbecue or go eat Mexican together and have some margaritas. One nation under a cobbler. Yeah, right. There you go. I mean, just enjoy time. We get enough uh, emails to answer anyways. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I'm, I mean, do you get approached about hosting events for candidates and stuff? Do you do any of that? Like we don't. Off hours? We don't really get a, get a lot of that. Uh, we, we do every now and then have people that come to us and say, can I put my sign? You know, anybody running for any kind of uh, uh, official office will, you know, ask, can we put our banner up? Can we put a sign up? And we just tell them all the same thing. I'm sorry. No, because it, 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 would, it would look like we're we're taking sides and, and that's not what we're about here. So uh, it's just not not welcome on the property. No, we want everybody to feel comfortable no matter what who or 
what they believe or, I mean, who they are or anything. And, like and, and people should form their opinions on our place and if they want to come back based on the food as well, not on our political It's about beliefs. the food. It's honestly, it's about the food. Yeah. And I think we all have just, we have one life to live. And I think the best thing you can do is just be happy yeah, in enjoy it, it and enjoy your life. And you don't have to be, you know, interject into other people's lives. Well, and, and, and I get that too sometimes because I'm not very out. You know, every now and then I'll get fired up about something and post something on social media. But, but for the most part, I kind of keep to myself because I, I don't feel like I'm going to change anybody's mind. Right. Right. Like this is like this podcast. Like there's a, there's a lot of things we could talk about that are not food related. But right. I don't think that's why people listen to the show. So if you want. Well, Lord knows, I don't think anybody cares about my political opinions. But if you <laughs> if you want someone's political opinions, there's a million there's a million venues to go find them. And, and right, absolutely. So, yeah. no, I get it, I get it. But I just figured I'd ask you about it and let you. <laughs> well, we I, I already it. knew. I kind of knew. I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, well, I know one question that's going to come up, and it was basically the exact question that you asked. So, um, all right. Well, what else prepared. were you scared I was going to ask you about? Um. I don't know that I had anything else. I think that, and I wasn't scared. Don't, don't, like, I was not scared. I was just laughing because I was like, I know one of the questions. I know the question is going to be about Tris, about Will and Tris, or Will and Austin, and when's that going to happen? Um, it's going to be about me and Daniel Vaughn chit chatting, and it's going to be about politics. I knew the four questions that were going to be the main ones. So I was prepping myself for those. Um, I hate to be thought of as so predictable. No, no, no. It, what you're not so predictable. I just, you know, I knew it was happening in just the last few months. That uh, see, I didn't, but I didn't know about the everybody on your team like choosing one thing from us. Yeah, yeah. So see, you came up. You had well, something you, you would have, but that, but if you had listened to last week's episode, you would. Oh, have, oh. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> he got you on that one. Yeah, I did. You I walked knew, right into it. As I, as I was saying it, I was like. <laughs> I, you walked right into it. I, I did. Resist. I did. Um, well, well, let me just ask you this slightly differently then, because you, because you were like, we want to come back on the show, right? Yeah, it's been, had, it's like been a long time. Several glasses of wine. All right. Well, but I really, really wanted to, and and you were like, yeah, we can do Zoom, and I was like, well, <laughs> you're like, no, it's got to be in person. I was like, like, in person. Well, so, so much more fun in person. So while you're here, is there yes. anything else you want to talk about? Um, anything you want to talk about? No. As a matter of fact. Um, I don't know. What, nothing in particular. I hope nobody takes offense to anything that I've said. <laughs> I don't think you've said anything. I'm, I'm always surprised at oh, what people what, get offended by, but I'm. That's I, what I'm I, saying. I think, you're, exactly. I think you're pretty safe. Well, I don't, you never know. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Okay. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Nicole, let me start with you. What is your favorite ingredient? Cilantro. Will? Salt. Will, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, re- uh, for real, uh, when I was in kindergarten, I saw Reba McIntyre, the Houston Rose Radio. That counts. Nicole, how about you? I actually won tickets from, I think it was 100.3. Was that it? The country station? Um, when I was in third grade, so I got to go see George Strait. I did the radio contest. I won. I call in. <laughs> All right. Nicole, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? 
Will? No, not Will, as in that's my no, answer. No, I understand. Asking, you, know, you pass. Pass. You pass. I always, I always looked up to Warren Moon. It's a good answer. It's a good one. Right. I'm terrible with names, but... All right, yeah. Will, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Um, I'm a huge fan of the ultimate sausage sandwich at Jack in the Box. Breakfast sandwich. Anything yeah, at Jack delicious. in the Box. Cheese and sausage. You can't go wrong. <laughs> Nicole, how about you? I don't eat fast food. All right. And then finally, <laughs> what is the new Houston restaurant that you are dying to try but haven't had a chance to yet? God, there's so many. Um, we're really terrible about that. I have them all saved on my phone under my Google, the want to go. Yeah, you should show me that list because I'll bet some of them have closed. <laughs> if it's old enough. It's not that old. Okay. It's only about a year. Okay. So there's still a possibility, but I know there's been a few. I know we went to um, one in in town. We call anything in town because we're from the Woodlands. Yeah, anything anything south of the Beltway is in town. To us. <laughs> <laughs> Over, it, was, it was in the Heights area. We were going to a specific restaurant. It was an hour and a half away, or an hour and a half wait. So we ended up, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, me neither. Sorry. It's like, yeah. We do want to go to Loro, though. We, we, yes. We've eaten at the uh, Loro in Austin, and we had a really good experience there. So we're uh, hoping to replicate that, their Houston location. And I want to see the building as well. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. They, they did a great job converting that church. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, give me the website and the social media and all that for Corkscrew Barbecue. Uh, CorkscrewBBQ.com. And uh, pretty much it's the same on all social media platforms. And you can also order on there. And don't forget, it's Memorial Day weekend this weekend. So, uh, you know, or is it next weekend? It's next oh, weekend. Oh, my, okay. You got a week. Sorry, yes. I forget my day. So not this weekend, but the next weekend. I do that every week, but it's okay. Will you be open on the Saturday? Yep. Mm-hmm. So stock up for Memorial Day. That's right. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, oh, it was the Flying Fish. Oh. That's what it was called. Flying Fish. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I know <laughs> I just throw that in there, but, you know, I, I felt bad not remembering their name. All right. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. As always, I welcome your feedback. You can email me, Eric, E-R-I-C, at culturemap.com. Your ratings and reviews are also appreciated. But like Katie Nolan says, only if it's five stars and only if it's nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.